Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. We've got a show today, folks, that that really may take your breath away. I've got Laura Stack. She was best known in the business world for her professional monkey ear, the Productivity Pro. Her 30-year career as a keynote speaker, best-selling author of eight productivity books, and corporate spokesperson came to a screeching halt on November 20th, 2019, when her 19-year-old son, Johnny, died by suicide after becoming psychotic from dabbing high-THC marijuana concentrates. Laura responded by forming the nonprofit Johnny's Ambassadors to educate parents and teens about the dangers of today's high-THC marijuana on adolescent brain development, mental illness, and suicide. Her platform now brings education, awareness, and prevention curriculum to parents, drug prevention conferences, community groups, schools, everything to stop young marijuana use. She's a powerful speaker who brings Johnny's personal warning and solid research together in her book, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana, Johnny Stack's Life and Death Story. Described as a force of nature with unstoppable drive and unwavering purpose. Laura really wants to get teens to stop dabbing, and she's going to help all of us today understand the danger the potential danger, and how we can do that. Laura, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. I am delighted to be here and appreciative for the opportunity. Well, you know, it's so amazing to me because, boy, when I, when we talked earlier and, you know, I first learned of your story, my first thought was, well, man, marijuana is not the same marijuana that it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> it's so true. And in fact, when my son was 14 and first used marijuana and came home from a high school party as a freshman and said his uh, friend's brother was 18 and had gotten himself a medical marijuana card by saying he had a migraine and that he had marijuana at the party and they all wanted to try to get high. And so he used it and he told me this and I thought to myself in my head, I didn't say it out loud. I said, Oh, thank God. It's just weed. You know, I used weed didn't hurt me. And I was so wrong. I had no idea. It, it was many years actually before I really understood that the weed we used, okay, I used some marijuana when I was in high school. It was the 80s, okay, to give you a sense of how old I am. But, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even into 2000, really until about 2015, when the concentrates started coming out on the market, marijuana was so weak. Uh, and I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know it was, was any different because I just thought it was like it was when I was, you know, a teen. And I discovered that back then it was 2% to 5% potency, meaning the THC content, the tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the part that made you high. In other words, it was really weak. And then over the years, the botanists got involved, the chemists got involved, and the marijuana today is very, <laughs> very different 
than it used to be and can be 80, 90, up to nearly pure THC. So it's really apples and oranges, very different drug. Wow. So, and you're talking about marijuana that is, that's sold in the different marijuana pharmacies and dispensaries, correct? Well, there are no marijuana pharmacies. There is nothing that is a prescription unless it is FDA approved. There are a couple FDA approved medications that are pharmaceutical grade that are derived from cannabis, largely pharmaceutical grade CBD, uh, some synthetic THC and some very low dose THC with CBD. But those are for very rare seizure disorders, some cancer pain, uh, anorexia patients, for example. Those are the only prescriptions. Everything else is considered off-label the medical marijuana cards are simply a quote recommendation from a doctor to use and much of it that's prescribed, for example, for anxiety, for depression. The American Psychological Association, the Journal of Psychiatry just came out with a study this week saying there are no known benefits of cannabis on psychiatric conditions. So it's usually used for pain, um, but not it's not advised. In fact, it's counterindicated, for example, for anxiety, meaning it makes anxiety worse. So yes, when an 18-year-old, there are 4,000 of them in Colorado who have medical marijuana cards who are not needing them for medical purposes. They don't have chronic and debilitating conditions. There are only 170 who are 17 years old. <laughs> and then suddenly when they become adults, there's 4,000 of them. Uh, so yes, they can lie. They can make up some kind of condition. Oh, I have back pain. And they get a medical marijuana card and they walk into the dispensaries and they can legally purchase shatter, wax, uh, rosin, sugar, butter, crumble, all of these new marijuana products that are not flower. I think most of us think of a plant, right? We think of herb. We think of you roll it in a, in a paper and you smoke it like a joint. Well, <laughs> what they're doing today is they take out the THC. So they extract it through a chemical process. They run a solvent through the plant, such as butane or ethanol or propane, and they break off the trichome on the bud that contains the THC, just the psychoactive part, and they toss the plant. See, so there's nothing natural about these products that are used. They then distill these concentrates into much more pure products. So the vapes that the kids are using and the monitoring the future study that just came out yesterday showed that in the midst of the pandemic, that when children are using substances, vaping and smoking marijuana have gone up and everything else has gone down. So the usage is increasing. So we know that they're either getting it in a dispensary when they're 18 or this is where we need to get the word out. They're getting it from their parents. Their parents are believing the false narrative that, oh, it's harm, it's harmless, it's safe, it's benign, it's medical, it's legal, when in fact, it is very detrimental to the development of the mind 
of an adolescent, and we know this from science, from MRI studies. So, you know, we, we've learned so much from science, and I think that's what the general public is, is lacking, is that there is scientific evidence. I mean, I know at the Brain Performance Center, I have, you know, clients that come in and they'll say, well, I have to tell you, I, I smoke marijuana. And my response to that is, well, don't smoke it the day before or the day you do a treatment or don't come because you're yeah. going to be creating alpha in the brain. And, you know, I don't want you to come and spend your money on treatment that you're just going to go counter with smoking marijuana. Yes. And there are those short term effects that you're describing, sadly, in adolescence whose brains are still forming, women until the age of 25. Young men, as you know, can be upwards of 28 to 30. We know now development of the mind doesn't finish. Not only are there those short-term outcomes, but long-term, there are very bad consequences, including psychosis, the triggering of bipolar, depression, and sadly, if psychotic episodes continue and are not stopped with the marijuana, can can convert into permanent schizophrenia, what's referred to as cannabis-induced psychosis. Johnny got to the point after several years of using marijuana that he thought the FBI was after him. He, he thought the mob was coming to get him. He would think his phone uh, was bugged. He would tell me that I was in on it. And I, I would say, in on what? What are you talking about? And he could never explain it. But the amygdala is so um, interfered with by the THC from blocking that cannabinoid receptor that our natural anandamide can't get in there. And it triggers psychosis in many individuals, not all, but definitely we see a higher rate of schizophrenia. Denmark just confirmed this, a brand new study that just came out in 2021, where researchers went back to 1995 in all of Denmark with 7 million in their population. And they saw that they had an incidence of 2% of schizophrenia in the population prior to the introduction of marijuana. Then they compared those results to 2010 with the introduction of marijuana and they removed any comorbidities. For example, someone who has psychosis in their genetics, someone who's currently depressed, et cetera. And the researchers stated that we know that the incidence of schizophrenia in our population increased from 2% to 8% due to the introduction of marijuana in Denmark. We have the evidence. We have thousands of studies showing the negative impact of marijuana on youth brain development, but we have zero, zero research studies showing any benefit to youth with these high potency products today. They are very, very dangerous, and we need to change the false narrative that's out there that the cannabis industry wants everyone to think because, of course, they need to profit off the addiction of our youth. Well, there's there's no doubt about it that it's definitely not the same marijuana and yes. that it's impacting people in a very, very different way. I mean, the, the strength and the potency, it's, it sounds like it's just it's not even comparable well, if people would take the time to either go to a dispensary um, and go on a little field trip, okay, if you have legalized marijuana in your 
in your state, in your town, go up to the next town, go across the border, whatever you need to do, uh, walk into a dispensary. They have the the flower hiding in the back, see, because this is an addiction for profit industry. The bud tenders are taught to sell the highest potency product that they can. All of the newfangled products are right in the front of the store uh, when you walk in. They want to sell you the 75% sugars and the 80% vapes and the 99% crystal that has to be used with a crack pipe, just like you're using smokable cocaine. You will not recognize this. You'd say, this is marijuana? Wait a minute. This is not anything like the marijuana I grew up with. Just Google marijuana dabbing rig right? Google cannabis dab pen. You will be shocked. And the kids, they're all like, oh, I'm vaping. And their parents think they're talking about nicotine, right? And they're not. They're talking about THC vape right under their nose, nearly pure in many instances. And they are high all day long. You can't smell it. You can't see it. It's very easy to hide. And most parents are totally naive and their kids tell them, oh, everybody does it. And oh, mom, it helps me with my sleep. Mom, dad, it helps me with my anxiety. And over time, the structure of their brain is changing as a result of the potency in the product. We know that with early onset of use with these high potency products, the frequency of use in which the youth are using them, that that is the trifecta of disaster. We see a five-fold increase in psychosis and sadly, a seven-fold increase in suicidality. The National Institutes of Health just came out with a statement that said, after researching 280,000 young adults age 18 in the U.S., the use of cannabis is associated with increased suicidal thought, suicide attempt, and completed suicide, regardless of someone having depression before. So in other words, these kids aren't using it to self-medicate. This is a party drug. So it's easy to get. Uh, Here in Colorado, it's been legal for 10 years. They can get weed in five minutes it is so easy to get weed because all of the seniors go get their med cards as soon as they turn 18 and everybody know who's dealing the drugs i know this because my son after his death had snapchat photos of the drugs he was dealing with his med card from the dispensary in the for your eyes only section so people are fooling themselves into thinking that this is something that's healthy. If a doctor ever recommends your child use marijuana, run away. That is a quack doctor. There is nothing that's going to help them. And instead, it's going to make their brain worse. Wow, that is just, it amazes me that what it, the impact that it can have and the impact that just some knowledge, just some general education, because you were, you're so honest in your story, Laura, and you said it was going on in my house and I knew it. And well, I didn't know he was using vape, you know, vaping THC. I thought he was just using a jewel. Um, What's you know, a jewel? It's nicotine. And so, see, they have these e-cigarettes. You go to the gas station 
And you have to now be 21, right? And you buy an e-cigarette with cartridges and they banned some of the flavors, you know, mango, the not, you know, the fruit flavors, all in the premise that e-cigarettes were going to help people uh, quit smoking. And now vaping is, of course, an, an epidemic among teens, but many of them are not vaping cigarettes, nicotine, e-cigarettes, they're vaping THC. You need to know what is in that cartridge that your teen is using. I was so ignorant. I just, I didn't know. It wasn't until four years after he first told me that he had tried marijuana and he went to Colorado State University on a scholarship. This was a genius a child, a 4.0 GPA, a perfect 800 out of 800 SAT score in math. And he went on his scholarship and he texted me that he was vaping and dabbing nonstop for two weeks and that he felt like killing himself. That was my first indication that there was anything you know, horrible about these potent products. And when he had to go to a mental hospital from his marijuana addiction, his diagnosis was THC abuse severe. That was, that's what was wrong with him. THC abuse severe. And we went to clean out his dorm room at Colorado State and opened a drawer and there's this box in there and it said nectar kit. And my husband and I are like, what is this? And there was this brownish, like earwax looking kind of substance in there. And we said to his roommate, what is this? And he shrugged. He said, dabs. That was the first time. And I write and consider myself a fairly educated person, right? Professional speaker, 30 years, uh, you know, traveling the world, MBA, and everything everyone tells you, you know, we would, we're Christian. He was a volunteer. He was active in activities. He played the piano and the guitar. He ran cross country. He volunteered at church. Like everything they tell you to be aware of as a parent, all these protective factors. We did all that. He was a great kid. He was just making really bad decisions because this stuff is very addictive. Half of the people who use every day are going to become addicted to it. It's not something that you can just use casually and think there aren't going to be any consequences. That is so important to know. I mean, in some of the terminology that you're using, dabbing and wax, and and I could imagine hearing that terminology in my kid's room and not thinking anything about it. I mean, wax yeah. doesn't sound dangerous. Well, and many parents simply are are tired. I mean, it's, there's been a pandemic. They've been living at home. We're sick of them. They're sick of us, you know? People are saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I've been sharing space, uh, you know, with my teen. And all of the problems that we're having with mental health on the rise and all of the, you know, thinking that marijuana is going to help my child with this, we don't take the time to really, I'm sorry, get into their business. We're not here to be their friends. We're here to be their parents and to protect them. And we have to understand when they say wax, what are you talking about? These products tend to be named by their consistencies. They take out the THC and then they formulate them and filter them, distill them. So, you know, crumble looks like a cookie. Um, shatter looks like amber glass that if you dropped it, 
it would break. And they take just a teeny, teeny dab of it and use it in a in a device that you have to heat up with a blowtorch. I mean, some of these things are, you just, it's crazy and you don't even think it's marijuana. And everybody goes, oh, it's laced. Oh yeah, it's it must have gotten laced with fentanyl. It must be a synthetic. They must have gotten hold of K2 or spice. No, no, no. They've just gotten a hold of a concentrate that they got from one of their friends who turned 18 and got it legally in a dispensary, and then they're selling it illegally. One out of 10 of our middle schoolers here in Colorado is using marijuana on a daily basis. This They're 12. That's 12 years old. I promise you, the cannabis industry does not care about the uh, the granny who's 85 years old, who who eats her gummy every day for her arthritis. They don't care about them. They have to addict that 18 to 24-year-old population that is their base of user because in Colorado, 4% of the users are purchasing 65% of the products. Let that sink in. 4% of the users are purchasing 65%. What does that mean? That means this is an addiction for profit industry. Addiction is an adolescent onset disease. You don't suddenly like 52 years old like me go, I think I'm going to use cocaine. No, you don't do that. It starts as an adolescent with marijuana. We know now the Centers for Disease Control tell us that in the current day, that the number one predictor of whether a high school senior will be abusing opioids, lifetime marijuana use, not alcohol. It is now the gateway drug. That's just, it, it's, it overwhelms me. That because it's shocking. It's, it, it is, and it's so easy. It's not like, you know, you have to, what you have to go through to get it. I mean, it sounds like it's probably just as easy as going down to the 7-Eleven and getting a cup of coffee. Oh, it's simple. It's, it's a farce. It's actually just a sham. These, you go to a concert in Colorado, they'll have a trailer. Half of it says, doctor on one side you go in as long as you're 18 you make up some cockamamie something you get your med card and then you go to the other side of the trailer where it says dispensary and you legally buy your pot the teens here have a hard time getting alcohol they really crack down uh, on alcohol here i mean you know blue lights on your id (laughs) uh you know it's it's hard to get uh, tobacco. It's hard to get nicotine in the gas station, but it's pretty simple to get marijuana. We know that in 2020, uh, November of 2020, that youth 17 and under, there were just over a hundred children. That was it. A hundred, 17 years old and under who actually needed marijuana for some sort of medical condition. Let's say severe autism or severe seizures. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about at 17 years, 364 days, 4,000 of them developed a debilitating and chronic condition. I don't think so. It's because the doctors are making big bucks, hundreds of dollars they're charging. It's just like the pill mill days 
of old where the teens would go in, get a doctor in a pill mill, sign them for an opioid and pay big bucks for that prescription. And if this doesn't stop, we are going to lose generations of our teens to psychosis and suicide. So you've been through it and it's it's been a very painful journey. Yeah. And I so admire that your strength and you're using you're using your pain to really educate and create awareness that will save other people from experiencing the same pain. And I, there's a lot there's a lot to talk about. But before we go to break, we've got a, a few minutes. What I'd really like to do is because you've given us so much information. Let's take a few minutes and just, I mean, I can imagine myself as a parent out there listening to this now. What did she say? You know, what did she say? So kind of give them the five or six takeaways from the first half of the show in three minutes. Well, the takeaways would be marijuana is not the same drug that you used when you were a kid. Right. So we have to, first of all, erase any perception of any marijuana that we used when we were a kid. That's the first most important thing to do. Get the thought out of your head that it's just weed, that I used it too. Kids will be kids. I used it and I'm fine. That's not my kid. All of the things that you're thinking to yourself in your head right now are wrong because it is a very different drug. It is not the same. It's not the two to 5% potency weak marijuana from the 60s until the early 2000s. Now, the chemists have got involved. It is unregulated. There are no limits. There is no testing. And there is no cap on the potency. And they have figured out how to extract just the psychoactive part out of the marijuana and today the kids are using marijuana that one dab is equivalent to five or six bowls of flower marijuana all at the same time. So it's incredibly, incredibly different. Night and day, apples and oranges, not the same drug. And it's incredibly harmful to the development of the mind of our adolescents, and we have research to prove it. Research says it all, that is for sure. And, you know, when we come back, I want to I want to talk about your book that you wrote, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana, because I want to learn more about the really the story that that's behind it. And just because I think nothing is more helpful when people hear a story and they know it's real, and they can hear in your voice the the pain that you went through, the you know the things that we thought were nothing that turned out to be huge. It is so helpful. I'm touched more, and I guess we all the brain, the amygdala, we love that emotional content. That's what touches us all. And I think that <clears throat> when we come back, if you want and can, let's go into the book. And learn about, I mean, the message that you're sending is hope. And that's the message that we want to learn about. We'll be back after these messages. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life. 
and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's words you never heard. Yesterday, I called my computer helpline because I felt an overwhelming need to be made to feel ignorant by someone much younger than me. Hey, I know a few things about computers. The term reboot actually originates from the Middle Ages when horses who stopped mid-stride required a reboot to the hoof to start again. A timinagi is another name for a device that saves you time and labor, such as a computer. Because my computer issue couldn't be resolved over the phone, they sent a bobby dazzler over to have a look. The technician informed me that it appeared my computer had been shaken or dropped, or as the Scottish say, misguggled. Whoops, did I mention I have a bit of a temper when things aren't working right? It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and in the second part of the show, we're really going to kind of dive down in and And Laura's going to share more of Johnny's story. The first part of the show was really to educate people and let them know the dangers and creating awareness that the old marijuana is not the new marijuana. But in the second part, we're really going to kind of get down into the story and learn more about what Johnny experienced. So, Laura, you want to just start off and tell us Johnny's story? Sure. I mean, (laughs) the book I wrote about him was in COVID because, you know, I didn't have anything else to do and he had just died. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to write as much down as I can think of. And and it was 300 pages before I was done and 176 citations. And I just want to let everyone know that there is research, peer-reviewed journal research um, that backs up what I talk about. We have a scientific advisory board for our nonprofit, Johnny's Ambassadors Youth Marijuana Prevention, um, who has vetted everything that I talk about because I want people to take the time to read for themselves about the harms and not just believe the narrative out there in our culture because we see all the time with celebrities and the media and all the messages that we get in our newspapers and emails and social media about how wonderful marijuana is and how helpful it is. So take the time yourself, if you do buy my book, to go through some of those citations and read the research to to really educate yourself. So it took me six months of, you know, nonstop crying and headaches, trying to write his story, basically, because I knew 
that I would forget so much so quickly. And now that it's been two years since he's passed, I'm really glad that I did. But, you know, I would want for the listeners to really know Johnny before, because I don't want people to just think of him as, you know, the drug addict, the the marijuana user, you know, he was a wonderful person and, and an incredible young man. He was happy, handsome. If you see the, the photos of him or, or go to our website, johnnysambassadors.org and put in slash tribute. And you can watch a five minute video of who this young man was so that you understand that before he got in contact with marijuana, he was wonderful. He had no mental illness. He had no physical problems. We do not have mental illness in our family. We have no psychosis. He was not depressed. He was not anxious. Uh, you wouldn't believe the hate mail I get from people every day, you know, who are saying, well, obviously your son was self-medicating for a mental illness. It's like, you don't know my son and, and you didn't know him. And so I just delete those. They just roll off my back because I know it's not true. He was very involved, active, had friends. He, you know, was just a, a I would use the word, regular teenager. And he had his life in front of him. And we saw before our very eyes him changing from the time that he started using marijuana. And that was, as I said, at 14. By the time he was a senior in high school, so this is three years later, and we didn't totally know the extent of his addiction um, until after he died. We did know about a lot of it because he had, uh, by then, showing signs of isolating himself, some depression, uh, became anxious years later. So we had, uh, we took him to doctors, we took him to psychiatrists, to psychologists. None of those, none of those professionals told us to get him to stop using marijuana. They didn't even ask him if he used marijuana and he was sneaking it because you can't smell it and it's easy to, it's easy to hide. So we call it the unraveling, his senior year. He had a 4.0 GPA. Uh, he was 17 years old. You'd think the world is his oyster. You know, we live in a beautiful suburb in South Denver. I mean, if this can happen to us, this can happen to anybody. And his personality just started to change. He became, instead of sweet and, and kind, he became abusive, he he started calling me names and and I was his person like he loved me more than anyone in the world I just adored him and he would say you know f u u b and saying horrible things that I couldn't even believe were coming out of his mouth we we were a bit afraid of him he got to be fairly unpredictable he he trashed his room a couple times um, and he, we had to put locks on our bedroom doors because we just weren't sure if he was going to do something violent. He just seemed to kind of be a, a loose wire and started just saying some really odd things. Uh, he ran away 
for a couple weeks and, and we had a tracker on his car and on his phone by then. Um, and he would, he would disappear. And then when he turned 18, he was still in high school. And so it was February of his senior year and he decided that he wanted to move out because we would not let him use marijuana in our house. So he just said, well, then I'll just move out and I'll use marijuana whenever I want because I'm an adult and you can't stop me. Now, we didn't know he had was going to get a med car. We didn't, you know, he didn't ask us. We don't have to give approval. That's not the way that it works. And he took the $5,000 that he had saved and he moved out and he started really using and dealing marijuana after he got his med card because he wasn't, we weren't there to stop him, you know, and, and to monitor him. And he spent all of his money within just a few months, all $5,000. He was robbed. Some people took away his marijuana stash and he had no money to pay rent. So he came over to the house when we weren't home and his younger brother was home and opened the door to him, of course. Uh, hey, you know, Johnny. And Johnny called our dog, Lily, and took her. And he texted my husband, if you don't give me money to pay my rent, I'm going to kill Lily. I mean, this is just someone you would never wreck. And this is your child. And it's so shocking. You can't believe, you just don't understand the behavior and that marijuana can be causing this. And it's the only thing in his system. People think, oh, well, you know, he must've been using cocaine or he must've been on that. No, he, when he had his tox tests um, in the hospital, when they did his blood and urine tests, that's what they uh, diagnosed him with, THC abuse severe. His his THC levels were off the chart from these very potent products that these kids are using today. So he went to CSU on his scholarship. Unbelievably, he managed to get to college and within two weeks of being there, felt suicidal from nonstop dabbing and he lost his scholarship. He had to withdraw from the university because of his his use of THC. And, and this was doing nothing more than dabbing, correct? Dabbing. dabbing. He even told me. he Because we still were trying to maintain a relationship. And so we would text. That was our method of communicating was texting. And he would text me, you know, that his roommate, who will be nameless, um, had moved here from Michigan to use marijuana. I'm like, great, nice roommate that we happened to get randomly. And he told me, I've been dabbing. And remember, I didn't know anything about dabbing. So when he said, I've been dabbing two weeks nonstop. And then he said, you know, I'm not making any friends and I'm having a hard time. And I told him, you know, honey, that's normal. It takes a while to make friends. You know, you're going to be okay. And he said, is it normal for me to feel like killing myself every day? This is in a text. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. And of course we went to get him and he voluntarily agreed that he needed to go to a mental hospital and they gave him the diagnosis of THC abuse severe and they held him on a suicide watch and they gave him the, the 72 hours. Um, and then he lied to them and said, I'm no longer suicidal. And I begged them not to let him out because he told me 
when he was allowed to call me in the mental hospital that when he got out, he was going to kill himself because see, THC stays in your body for three weeks. It's not like alcohol where you drink too much alcohol and you wake up and you have a headache and you feel like crap for the next 24 hours. And then it goes away because it's water soluble. THC is fat soluble and it stays in your body for three to four weeks. So they let him out and sure enough, he was home. And the second I let my eyes off of him, because I couldn't chain myself to him 24 seven, I tried, I, I threatened to duct tape him to the wall, but you just, you can't watch someone nonstop. And as soon as I stopped watching him, he tried to hang himself in the closet in our house, in his room. Luckily we caught him in time. Thank God he went back to the mental hospital and this time they kept him for weeks. And when he got out, he was fine. He was totally better. He was back to himself. He was my sweet Johnny again. He had for the first time in God knows how long the THC out of his body and he recovered and he could have been okay. He got a job he wasn't using anymore. So we let him stay with us in the house and he stayed with us for four months and it was lovely. It was a wonderful time. And we were so happy um, that we thought I ha we had our Johnny back and his brain did recover. The brain is quite plastic. If you stop using the marijuana, you can get better. So then he's like, wow, that was, that was scary, right? That, that freaked him out. He's like, I am not going to do that again. And he said he was ready to go back to college because what was he going to do? Sit in his bedroom and work at PetSmart all his life, right? So we, we were a little worried about that, but he's like, I got this. And this time he wanted to go to UNC, University of Northern Colorado. And he went there and he was just fine at first. And then a month later, he went back to the marijuana crowd because he told me that he was using marijuana and dabbing again and using a vape pen, all of this stuff. And he was there for maybe two months. And I told him over and over, you have to stop. That is hurting your brain. You are harming yourself over and over. Look what happened to you. I kept, but of course he wouldn't listen to me. And he called me at three o'clock in the morning, a couple months later. And he said, mom, my phone is bugged. My dorm room is bugged. They are listening to me on my phone. He was talking the most crazy things you have ever heard in your life. He said the college was an FBI base and they had bugged his dorm room. And I assured him that was not true. It was not an FBI base. He said, you cannot tell me that it's not because you are in on it. And he started to get very angry at me. I'm like, in on what? And he could not explain it. He said the mob was after him. So clearly he had had just a mental breakdown, a psychotic episode. And he went back to the emergency room, uh, back to the mental hospital where again, he detoxed again. He was diagnosed with THC abuse uh, this time they had to put him on an antipsychotic because his thinking had become so paranoid that people were watching him. And he said everybody knew everything about him. And I, it was, it, it's something like out of the movies. 
that you just have never heard before. And so he recovered again, Lee, again. He had a second chance on life and he went to his third university, Colorado Technical University, and he was, he got a puppy, he had a new condo, he was going to school, he was sober, life was happy. And then he ran into an old girlfriend who was dabbing every day and he took it up again. And this time he did not come out of it. He did not recover from it. He came over to our house for dinner three days before he died. And he said, mom, I just want you to know that you were right. And I said, about what? I didn't know what we were talking about. He said, about the marijuana. You told me that marijuana would hurt my brain and it has ruined my mind and my life. And I'm sorry. And I love you. And three days later, he jumped off the top of a building and killed himself. And we read in his journals that we didn't even know he had, that he was writing in, the mob is after me. He still had gotten that delusional thinking because he had gone back to marijuana. And the psychiatrist told me that he must have had an acute psychotic episode because earlier that day, he got the oil changed in his car. He went to a routine doctor's appointment. He bought Krispy Kreme donuts. Like there was no indication that he was suicidal. And after he died on his phone, we saw a Snapchat that he had sent out just a few minutes before he died to our younger son. And the odometer on his car read 133661. And he wrote, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For one extreme to exist, there must be the opposing. What does that mean? That means nothing. That's the psychotic rambling of a young man whose brain had been injured by, by marijuana and now had displayed schizophrenic types of properties with this delusional episode the doctor said that he had. He must have thought that odometer was somehow magical. Seeing the one, three, three, six, six, one. And when you add the threes together to six, you know, maybe it read the front or the back the same. We don't know. We'll never know what he was thinking in his mind when he died. But he described his brain as green poo and said the marijuana had ruined his mind and his life. Lee, and that's what I'm committed to doing every day for the rest of my life is to share Johnny's warning and we took up the mantle so that we can warn other youth and their parents about the dangers so that they don't do the same thing and follow Johnny down the path to suicide. There is time to stop, to intervene, to heal. There's hope. The brain can recover, and it's not too late to stop. Like I said, girls until 25, men until nearly 30. The brain is still forming. So we just encourage anybody who's listening to this who needs help to get an intervention for their child. And if it's before the age of 18, you still have control. Once Johnny turned 18, we lost all control. He removed the permission from school. I couldn't look at his grades 
he he stopped going to school. We couldn't talk to the doctor anymore. He withdrew all of his consents for the university. They wouldn't, they changed dorm rooms for him because he said his was bugged. And, and so he moved to another dorm room. We didn't even know that he'd moved. You just lose all control as a parent once they turn 18, which made me so angry that here I have a child who is mentally ill and it's, he's not an adult at, at 18. And I was absolutely powerless to do anything to help him at that point and had to get so, the police so, and the doctors involved. Let me ask yeah. you, you, you said, you, said, you know, you, you would know, encourage, encourage parents to, to, to have an intervention. What does yes. that mean? Well, to get them into treatment. If they are using marijuana, there's kind of three stages. The first is they just have to detox. It takes three to four weeks, and it is very painful. Um, the DSM-5s describes cannabis use disorder. It's one of the substance use disorders, CUD, and cannabis withdrawal syndrome, CWS, uh, you know, any addiction has its withdrawal symptoms. And marijuana is no different. And it's very painful. And it's very difficult. Most young people cannot stop using marijuana on their own. It's very hard. It hurts. They're very low. Their dopamine levels are low. They're sleeping all the time. They have a massive headache. They feel terrible. They feel sad. They're anxious. They shake. It's not pleasant. So you can't just say, oh, well, just stop using it. Easier said than done. All right. Ask any marijuana addict uh, to stop using marijuana. They'll tell you they can't because they can't. So typically there is a detox. There's, you know, if it's an emergency, if your child is displaying any sort of psychosis, you're hearing this very bizarre, paranoid. It's a very specific symptom of cannabis-induced psychosis. Take them to the emergency room, or if you have a mental hospital, ours was Denver Springs, which is like an emergency room. You can take them 24-7 uh, in for evaluation if they're ever suicidal. You know, so that's your first line of defense is an emergency room. After that, they're going to move them to a mental hospital. And there's a 30-day residential inpatient treatment to get them off the marijuana. At that point, their own natural chemicals, anandamide, which is what mimics the THC in their brain and tricks the brain into allowing the THC molecule to bind to the cannabinoid one receptor, thus blocking our bodies and brain's natural ability to make us feel good. All of that is, is blocked and our dopamine is completely depleted. So at that point, after being detoxed from THC, they're still not going to feel very well. Here's where the interventions can take place, whether it's a, uh, an intense outpatient uh, treatment intensive, it's called IOP, intensive outpatient, uh, whether it's a recovery high school, whether it's a 90 day get your life back on track center, there are programs out there for youth to get their lives back together again. And we've put together a list of resources. We're not interventionists because we're into the education, the prevention, the awareness, 
but we can help them get connected to either a professional interventionist or give them resources where they can go and get help and locate early psychosis and, and cannabis cessation programs. Um, that's on our website, johnnysambassadors.org, and put in slash parents, and you can find help. Oh, that, oh, that is, is so helpful, helpful to know, though, because, because the hardest, the hardest thing, thing is knowing is how to find that help. Yes, so agreed. And in, in many health uh, care insurance programs, you know, they just they don't always think, oh, it's just marijuana. It's not addictive. But more and more are recognizing that it is a substance use disorder because it's defined as such in the medical <laughs> documentation uh, and push back. Right. Do everything you can to get what you are entitled to for mental health treatment for your child, whether it's short term, long term, uh, a rehabilitation, uh, you know, keep banging on doors and getting help and do not give up. And if your child's currently using and you've ever condoned it, you have to walk that back. You have to say, you know, I know before that I did say that this was OK. And I have to say that I was unaware of the dangers. I was uneducated and now I understand how harmful this actually is for you, that this is actually causing more problems than it's helping. And I have changed my mind. You will not be allowed to use marijuana. If you don't say anything, then it implies that they have permission. You have to specifically have a no use policy for marijuana, or we know from the research that children are far more likely, teens, young adults are far more likely to use it if they think in any way that you approve of it. Those are such wise words. And I know parents really appreciate hearing, particularly from somebody that's learned that lesson the hard way. For people that want to learn more about you, you mentioned the website. Would you point them there again. And then if there's any other information you can give them on how they contact you, please share that. Yes. Everything is on our website. The The number one thing to do is go to johnnysambassadors.org. There's no apostrophe, just johnnys with no apostrophe S. Ambassadors has two S's.org. There, they have my contact information. My email is Laura. L-A-U-R-A at johnnysambassadors.org. They can have uh, the education. We have 75 hours of videos with our doctors um, talking about the medical harms. There are videos, toolkits, graphics, anything that they need to educate themselves and get help for their teens. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that because the information is power. I really do believe that. And the lack of information, it can, can be detrimental. The, I learned so much in, in just the conversations that we've had. And it certainly has opened my eyes um, to a lot of things. But I think, you know, you spending time talking about intervention and how to get it, that's what people need because they need to know how to how to help yes. and I, you know you so inspire me that you carry the message you carry is not one of anger or hurt or although i know you do but it's one yes. of hope yes, and that's so inspiring to be able to to share that with everybody thank you so much for being with me today it was such a pleasure to have you thank you lee 
On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio,